Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks. From KQED. Years ago, Bay Curious listener Ben Kaiser was seeing a show at San Francisco's Fillmore Auditorium, The Psychedelic Furs. It was a great show, the kind he'll remember forever. Luckily that night, they were offering a free poster to uh, everybody in attendance. Uh, That was my first poster, The Psychedelic Furs. It's now framed in his Atlanta home. It's a very dark and moody poster. Uh, it looks like it's somebody standing in an alley walking away from the perspective of the viewer. It's a beautiful poster. Free posters are a beloved parting gift for concert goers at the Fillmore. They're never guaranteed, only given out at the biggest shows, and they're created just for the Fillmore audiences. So when folks do get one, it's special. These posters are artifacts pieces of time. They're as much of the concert as the concert. At this point, the free posters are almost as legendary as the Fillmore Auditorium itself, a center stage for the counterculture music scene during the 1960s. Bands like Santana, Quicksilver Messenger Service, and Janis Joplin's Big Brother and the Holding Company launched their careers on that stage. The Grateful Dead played there more than 50 times. The posters, the venue, its history, this all got Ben wondering. The Fillmore is legendary. The posters at the Fillmore are legendary. The poster wall at the Fillmore is legendary. But what I would like to know more about is the person behind the poster. Today on Bay Curious, we've got a rocking collision of Bay Area art, music, and history. I'm Olivia Allen Price. We'll be right back. Support for Bay Curious comes from Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Committed to brewing things the right way since 1980, because when you're a family-run brewery, there's no other way to do it. Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Still family-owned, operated, and argued over. And be sure to stay tuned through the end of the show so you can play our monthly trivia game for a chance to win some cool prizes. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest, and I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid, and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio. It was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. 
Thank you for listening and thank you for your support. Our listener, Ben, wanted to know more about the creative director behind hundreds of the Fillmore's storied posters, Arlene Osechik. Reporter Bianca Taylor takes the mic. Arlene Osechik came to San Francisco in her mid-20s, drawn by the sounds of Haight-Ashbury. I was very aware that the Jefferson Airplane were from San Francisco. Just kind of on a whim and a prayer, we loaded up the car and came west. And one of the first things we did was ride by the airplane mansion on Fulton Street. It was 1976, and although it had been almost a decade since the summer of love, the spirit of music and art was alive and well in the city. Arlene's first job was waitressing at the infamous North Beach Beat Hangout, Vesuvio Cafe. She had studied art in college and wanted to be a photographer, so she also started volunteering at Camera Work, a nonprofit art gallery which is still around today. She spent her days there working with glue and scissors, using a collage-type process to make ads in newspapers. I would do the paste-up for the announcements for shows. Paste-ups. In a time before Photoshop, paste-ups were how you manually put images and photos together for copying or printing, literally cutting and pasting layers onto a board. I got pretty good with that exacto knife and actually stabbed myself a few times. Those were the hazards of the olden days of graphics. Soon she got hired by a small design studio called Ampersand and started working on paste-ups full-time. One day, the phone rang at work. Arlene picked it up, and on the other end was the concert promotion company Bill Graham Presents. And it was like, oh, might somebody at Ampersand Design, you know, be able to take on pasting up ads? So I said, yeah, I'd love to, and that was the start of it. She started making paste-up newspaper ads for them. And then in 1985, after she proposed they hire her in-house, Arlene became Bill Graham Presents' first-ever art director. This was a dream job. She had always been a huge music fan, and now she was plugged into one of the most influential music scenes of the 20th century. A door opens, take it. At the time, Bill Graham Presents was run by Bill Graham himself, the larger-than-life concert promoter. I think the artist is the most privileged of all species. I consider myself to be the next most fortunate. Bill Graham was an enigmatic man with an unbelievable story. Born Wolfgang Goyanza in 1930s Berlin, he fled to New York as an orphaned 10-year-old, having lost his mother in the Holocaust. He changed his name to Bill Graham to sound more American. And by the time Arlene met him, he had his signature thick Bronx accent. I adored him. He was riveting. He was handsome. He was electric. For all of us here at Fillmore West, this is a long way to privilege and a great pleasure to bring on the number one lady, Miss Aretha. In the 60s, Bill and his company, Bill Graham Presents, had become famous for booking the biggest musical acts of the day. Everyone from the Grateful Dead and Santana to Janis Joplin and Aretha Franklin. The psychedelic posters designed to promote these shows were just created as advertisements, but they quickly became famous collectibles, written about in national magazines and reprinted for sale. In the mid-80s, Bill Graham decided to take the posters in a different direction. 
They weren't going to be advertisements anymore. They were going to be mementos given out at the end of concerts, standalone works of art. And as art director, Arlene was the person behind nearly every single one of those posters from 1985 to 2019. I was working with different poster artists, fantastic, never-ending, stimulating, wonderful. It just uh, was never-ending. The amount, the, 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 the work that I loved and the people that were doing it. Here's how it worked. At the beginning of each month, Arlene got a list of upcoming shows from The Booker. Shout out to Michael Bailey, who's been uh, the booker for the shows all these years. Shows that got posters were shows that would sell out. Because it meant there's enough money floating around, you know, to pay for everything. Then she would go through the list and start doing research on the bands. As time went on, I have to say that became much easier if iTunes and the internet and it's all right at your fingertips. Once she had a sense for the band's style, she'd think about which poster artist she knew that would be the best match. By this time, I had worked with a roster of poster artists, and so I'd call up Frank Wiedemann, and and I'd say, you know, whatever, Duran Duran, and, and then he'd go, yeah. Then the fun part. The artist would create a poster, show it to Arlene, And then the two of them would work together to come up with a final design. There were only a few rules she enforced. The first was no portraits. The second was no guns. So I never wanted guns. I never wanted, you know, death masks. I never wanted, like, really kind of punky boy art. When she and the artist got to a final design, she would take it to management for approval, which Arlene says was less fun. That could be very rocky at times. There were perhaps different opinions. As, as fun as it was, it was also really, really hard and really heartbreaking that somebody could spend a week doing a poster And then basically it would just be tossed in the trash because it was deemed, you know, not appropriate or whatever. One of her favorite posters was created by artist James Messier for Willie Nelson's 2002 show. It's a collage of the musician's face made with feathers, rocks and stones. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Another of her favorites is a 2007 poster for B.B. King done by illustrator Alan Forbes. It features a shiny black guitar drawn with outstretched angel wings, a jeweled crown circling its neck. Truth be said, I loved every one of them. They were, they're all my children. Because the posters were given away for free, Arlene never had to involve the band in the poster approval process. The final poster was just as much a surprise to them as it was to the audience. The exceptions were Tom Petty and the Counting Crows. They insisted on approving the posters before print. Generally, the posters were well-received, but of course, there were some exceptions. Right, like Greg Allman didn't like his poster. I know Zero Seven didn't like their poster. She even got to design and illustrate a poster for the band that inspired her to move to San Francisco, Jefferson Airplane. The poster consists of a photo that I took of the Golden Gate Bridge and a fog. And so it's just this really nice photo. And then I illustrated a, 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 like a bi-winged airplane flying over the bridge 
It was like my dream come true to do a poster for the airplane. Another duty Arlene took on as art director was designing the dressing rooms for big acts, especially as Bill Grand Presents started booking shows at other venues across the Bay. She did the dressing room for Jimmy Page when he played the Oakland Coliseum, transforming it with props and decorations, almost like a film set. I made his room Egyptian. They were touring with an Egyptian band. And then after the show, I was sitting in the dressing room just waiting for the rest of the crew to come in. And he came in. And he, like, got a beer out of the cooler. I was starstruck. For 33 years, Bill Graham Presents and these posters were Arlene's entire world. So her decision to retire in 2019 was a difficult one. I mean, I knew that it was time, but just physically, it was an out-of-body experience because it had meant so much to me and it had been so long. She says she's still decompressing from the fast-paced days. There were times that I worked 24 hours, I mean, that I never left the office. Like when she had less than two days' notice to make a poster for Prince. Arlene immediately called up illustrator Frank Wiedemann, and they came up with a design incorporating Prince's guitar and the newly opened Bay Bridge. And then they realized they had printed the wrong date. We had to redo the poster, like, in an instant to change the file to reprint it, to do it with the proper date. So I'd say that was pretty darn stressful. But hey, it was Prince. I I used to be addicted to excitement, I realize. These days, she's quite happy to have a much quieter daily routine. Oh my God, I went to so many shows, which is why... I rarely go to show. Um, yeah, it would take, no, not quite a crane to get me out of here, but um, but no, I, I had my fill of shows. The thing she does miss about going to shows at the Fillmore is seeing concert goers stream out of the building at the end to get their posters. People tell her stories about this all the time. Like, oh, that's where I met my wife or... That, you know, that was such an amazing night. And and then it's all embodied in this poster. It's part of San Francisco lore. It's it's incredible. When she reflects back on her three-decade career, she talks about the Fillmore like it's an old friend. I think buildings have soul. I think every person that's entered into that building that's seen a show, show leaves a part of themselves there. I think of all the performers. I always think of Jimi Hendrix being in that building and and making his way down the narrow staircase behind the dressing room onto the stage. And I, I just think it's an incredible place. It's palpable how much soul it has. I hope it lives forever. Arlene hasn't cast aside the design world, though. She has her own business, Big Picture Design, which she says was inspired in part by the way Bill Graham always had his eye on the big picture. And if there's one piece of career advice she could give to people, she says it's to follow your bliss. After all, 
I had to move to San Francisco, you know, I had to follow the Jefferson airplane. I did what I loved. It came from my heart and it really paid off. That was KQED's Bianca Taylor. Many moons ago, we aired a story about another tradition at the Fillmore Auditorium, how they also give away free apples at their shows. We'll drop a link to that show in our show notes if you want to learn more. Thanks to Ben Kaiser, who asked this week's question, which was chosen by you in a public voting round earlier this year. Our November voting round is currently up, and you have some interesting choices, my friends. Questions about geese migration patterns, hot dog vendors, and a biscuit that San Francisco was supposedly once known the world over for. Cast your vote at baycurious.org. I cannot wait to see what you choose. Bay Curious is made in San Francisco at member-supported KQED. The show is produced by Amanda Font, Christopher Beal, and Olivia Allen Price. Additional support from Jen Chien, Katie Springer, Cesar Saldana, Maha Sanad, Holly Kernan, and the entire KQED family. I'm Olivia Allen Price. Have a great week. Hi, Bay Curious listeners. Are you ready to play May's trivia game? Every month, we read a question here at the end of our episode. You can give us your answers over at our website, kqed.org slash baycurious, or just click the link in the episode description. Out of the correct answers, we'll randomly choose one lucky winner to receive a cool prize package with Bay Curious swag and Sierra Nevada goodies. Okay, our question for the month is, the world's longest-running pillow-fighting contest was held from 1966 to 2006 in what Bay Area town? Our trivia quiz is made possible by Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. Good luck! Hi there, I'm Randa Dilfettah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast.